Juan Jose here. Merry belated Christmas to you and a very early Happy New Year. I'm thrilled that we're together even by video. And this is our third year in a row of doing the last gathering as a church uh, in homes or in bed for some of you. Uh, and I'm so excited to do it. Why? Why? If you're new to the church, two primary reasons. One, we love our serve and our staff teams. <laughs> they worked so hard, especially during the Christmas season. And if you missed the Christmas Eve gathering, you know that everyone put in so much effort. So this is their opportunity to go off and be with family and friends, and we honor them. And second, it is a reminder that you and I are the church, not the building, not the meeting space, not the day of the week, not the time slot. So this is our annual reminder, wherever we are, we together make up 26 West Church. So enjoy this time. Now, here's what we plan to do. We took a pause uh, from our series in Ephesians to look at the Advent, the coming of Jesus. And it was so powerful and rich for me as I studied each week and prepared to teach. And I hope it was meaningful for you. But now we're turning the page uh, on the calendar. We're turning the page into a new year. And interestingly, we're turning into a new decade. We're about to start the 20s. And I really believe that we're turning the page as a church. I've had this sense in my soul and as I map out what we're going to talk about, I saved this text we're going to look at today for the end of the year to be the final message in our decade as a community uh, to, to let God speak through it to what he wants to do. I'm going to make a, a bit of a bold statement. I believe God has given us together insight on what he wants to do. Say, like, Jose, where are we headed as a church? I can't tell you like the fine details. But I do have a sense in my soul and as a leadership team, we have a sense about, about what God's about to do. And it all starts with this text. So let's just look at it together. We're going back to Ephesians and we'll look at it. Open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And all we're going to do is look at one verse and set the tone for our conversation when we're together on first Sunday on January the 5th. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 when we're together next week. But just let me read it again. As a prisoner for the Lord, for Jesus, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you received. Now, I said we're turning the page. If you've ever looked at Ephesians, and if you're new to the book or just joining us or watching online randomly, uh, Ephesians, this letter so neatly fits in two halves. Uh, first half, chapters one through three, look primarily at what God has done. Paul starts his communication with these people he knows and loves, reminding them this is who God is and this is what God has done. And then the second half is in light of it. He turns the page. Many have said this line is the hinge on the whole letter. And so I want us to look at it word by word today. Now, what's the first half? As a recap, we have all of these messages on video and audio if you want to go back and listen or watch. But it's primarily what God has done. God has called us. That's, that's Ephesians 1. He's called, he called us before the foundations of the earth. He's called us to be in Jesus. And we've seen in the first three chapters that in God's calling, Jesus has provided a way by grace, through faith, 
for you and I to be reconnected to God at the deepest level, to be called sons and daughters of God. And God has given us his very Holy Spirit living now within us to be the people of God together. So God's calling, Jesus providing. And what's the result? You and I together are uh, a holy temple. You and I are the place where God's presence dwells. And at the deepest level, he's made us not just friends. And if you're a part of a church, it's not like your Sunday book club. You and I are a body. We're knit together and Jesus is the head of it. And all of that is chapters one through three. All of it is what God has done. So at the end of chapter three, Paul ends with like this prayer. I pray that you'll be filled with the Spirit. I pray that you will know the goodness of God, paraphrasing here. And I pray, leading up to chapter four, verse one, that you and I would live a life that's worthy. So let's just look at this together. What's God about to do? Again, I said, I don't know the, the details, but if this is your church, I want to speak for a few moments, actually for the rest of this message, primarily to people who say, 26 West is my home. These are my people. This is where God's planted me to thrive. Now, if you're watching and this isn't your church, fantastic. All of these truths are for you, but I want to speak prophetically to, to those who call this home to tell you what I sense God saying and doing as the tone for this next season of at least the next four to six months as a church, but I believe well beyond that. We're going to be looking in detail when we're together at these next three chapters. And then after that, and after Easter, we're going to be looking at uh, Jesus's most uh, profound and longest teaching, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, it's called, out of Matthew. We're going to look line by line on how Jesus taught his people to live. So over these next four to six months, we're going to be inundated with these beautiful truths of how we live a life that's uh, worthy. But let's just look at this text again, and I'll have a few comments on it. And this is like the intro to get us ready for the next few months of teaching out of Ephesians. All right, let's look at it together. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you. Um, what's going on here? Paul has a sense of love and authority. And he's halfway through writing the letter to this church, and he reminds them, I, then I. He turns with that then or therefore, based on everything I've, I've said before about God and what he's done. Now I've got a word for you. Live a life that's worthy. I urge you, I implore you. Uh, I love how the New Living, Translation, New Living Translation puts it. I beg you. He's pleading with these people about what? He's a leader, and as a leader in the church, you want to see the family grow and thrive. So here's a word. Carmen and I, uh, we love you, and your elders, you just need to know this, this, this team of people, we pray for you. Uh, our serve teams, our staff team, we, we care about you, and you know what? We think about you. We rejoice with you in the, in the, in the good things God has done. We cry and we weep with you as we hear about pain and suffering and loss. And, and we plan and we purpose and we orchestrate things thinking of you in mind. Whenever we call you to step in, whenever we call you to, to rise up, whenever we say, hey, this is the need, you, you just need to know it's done out of a heart of love. 
And, and what we're going to see as we work through the rest of the letters, Paul loves these people. So it's not a new list of commands. It's then, therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord. Now, he just said in chapter 3 uh, that he was a prisoner. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he says. Now, now, the fact is he's not. He's a prisoner of Rome because he's been falsely accused. We know from history he's done nothing wrong, but because there are people who are against his teaching, against the movement of the church, multiple times Paul has been arrested and falsely accused. But notice how he sees himself. Yes, I'm a leader. Therefore, he says, I'm calling you, live a life that's worthy. But his station in, in life, where he finds himself, is really telling. A prisoner for, for Jesus. And that's a little subtle hint. Uh, when they think about Paul, because he's not there, they may get discouraged and think, what's wrong with God? What's wrong with the circumstance? Why is our leader imprisoned? But Paul has the right perspective. And as we turn into the new year, I want to remind you, and this is, uh, this is a word for our church, there are lots of words out there that are going to seek to define you. Paul, a prisoner for Jesus. Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, even though his circumstances were not what he had hoped for. And isn't it true? So often we find ourselves wondering, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? Like, why me? Why now? Why this? Why won't it go away? Why won't it change? Why won't you listen? Notice how Paul sees himself. He identifies himself as connected to the Lord, regardless of his circumstances. So there are lots of words that want to uh, define you. I'm too young um, to do whatever it is that you feel God calling you to do. Or I'm, I'm too old. My time has gone. I'm, uh, I'm educated or I'm, I'm simple. I, I'm rich. I'm, I'm, I'm poor. Uh, your relational status. I'm single. I'm married. I'm divorced. I am successful. I am struggling. There are all sorts of words that we hang on to to identify ourselves. Can I just remind you, based on the direction of where God's taking us as a church, based on the word of God, here he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, your circumstances may not change in this next short season, but you can see your circumstances differently because your connection to Jesus Christ. And I think that's what we get from Paul as a mature leader again and again and again. You belong to God. If you have chosen to, by grace, through faith, receive the gift of forgiveness and new life in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. That's your primary identity. You are a temple, and together we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have a new life. You have a new future. Your destiny and your 1,000 years from now is to be connected to Jesus and his family forever. All of those things, my friend, are true of you. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are on the way to eternity with God. And you have eternal life that is life with Jesus now and life with Jesus forever. All of these things. I'm getting kind of excited here. <laughs> like all these things are absolutely, they're true of you. And so when we think about what it means to step into 
like how we live out our faith. We start with Paul, a prisoner for the Lord. So even though he wasn't happy with the circumstance, he wanted to get out of prison and preach the gospel and plant more churches. He didn't let his circumstances dictate his mindset. So as we go into a new decade, as we go into a new year, don't let your current circumstances, whether they're glorious or whether they're horrible, dictate your circumstances. Your identity is a child of God, son, daughter, loved. All right, so based on those things, what's his, what's his plea? What does he call them to do? Let's just look at it. I urge you, uh, if we look at it in the original language, this is not a command. He's, he's pleading with them. As I said, the New Living Translation says, I beg you, as a result of knowing who you are, the call, and this is as a leader to the church and as one of your leaders here, this is my call to you. Based on all that God has done and based on his goodness, I'm urging you, I'm pleading you, I'm begging you, not in the weird sense, like, oh, please, will you grow up in the faith? But as a leader, I, I'm imploring you to use a Bible word. This year, this decade, this new season, grow in Jesus Christ. You already belong to him. You're already a child of God. You've already been sealed by the Holy Spirit. But I'm calling you to not live an ordinary life where you let your circumstances and the you know the day-to-day, -day, the week-to-week, the month-to-month drive your mindset, drive your decision-making, but to focus in and choose to grow as a child of God. Grow in your faith. Grow in your intimacy with Jesus Christ. Grow in what you know of Him. Grow in how you're living for Him. Grow in how you're being useful to other people because of Him. This is the season to grow. And I'm saying that that's exactly where Paul starts. Now, he's going to list out what it means to live a life that's worthy. I love the, um, the English Standard Version on this verse because it gives a little bit of nuance that the NIV, which we usually read, it doesn't come out in, in the same way. He says in the ESV, it says, a walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Paul uses the same word twice there, and the NIV is saying the same thing, to you know, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. They're saying the same thing, but Paul, when he writes in, in, in Greek, he uses calling twice to emphasize a point. Remember, when they're writing, they don't have like punctuation like we do, so when people repeat words, uh, they use it for emphasis. What's the motivation? Why should we choose to grow this year? Why should we pursue Jesus more fully because of the call. Oh yeah, the calling to which God already called you. In other words, uh, this isn't a guilt trip. And this isn't to say like, if I pursue Jesus, he's going to love me more. Or if I take my faith seriously, then God will do X, Y, Z, whatever it is you want him to do. That's not how it works. Based on the calling, based on his love for you, based on the fact that he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus, based on all he's done, based on the call, now that you've been called, now that you know that you've been called, now that you're walking in the calling, because of all of those things, the rightful response is to walk worthy, live a life. But uh, literally, he writes, walk worthy. And I think the visual and the metaphor is really helpful. This isn't a one-time thing. This isn't a one series thing. This actually isn't even a one year thing. 
I think as we turn the year, we could fall into the trap that we most often do is to, to slip into the, in this year I'm going to, you know, and it's usually get into shape physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, and the things I've never done, I'm going to do them this year. And so often those fade because the source and the motivation is fleeting and, and temporary. But when it comes to walking with Jesus Christ, this is what the apostle says. Learn to walk worthy. That's day by day. Um, that's step by step. And now we're all in different places. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time. This year, learn to live a life, to walk worthy of the calling. There's always more. There's always more. And what I don't want us to do is walk into the year and live satisfied. Now, I'm not saying that I should live discontented. In one sense, yes, I'm satisfied. God loves me. But in the same sense, because he loves me, am I, am I walking it out? Am I, am I living into his love? Am, am I living a life that's worthy of the calling that I've received? And for many of you, the answer is just yes. So this is gonna be a great year of growth and a, and a boost. But for some of us, it's time to like just make the mark in the sand. This year, because I know Jesus loves me and I'm his, I'm going to live a life that's worthy. So God's calling is, is what makes all the difference. Now, this isn't vague and generic. We're going to look over the next few weeks at the rest of Ephesians 4, and when you just read the rest, I mean, you have, you have a weekend off, right? Uh, read the rest. You're going to see that there are very specific things that Paul has in mind, and these aren't the only things, but when he thinks about this church, and by the Holy Spirit, thousands of years later, we have a template for growth, it's why I said at the beginning, what does God want to do in your life this year? I know it. Even though like, I couldn't tell you all the specifics and the details in your personal life, but the trajectory of your growth is laid out for us right here in the pages of Scripture. We're going to see some challenge points where God's going to call us to really think about our life and grow, to walk worthy. And guess what? By God's grace... And by the Holy Spirit, he already has the enabling power for you and I to step into the people that God's called us to be. So this is not like a treadmill where God's saying, run, 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 until you're exhausted and eventually you fall by the wayside. No, he's saying, I've got plans and purposes for you as a church and then you as an individual, as a part of this church. And I'm going to give you the power and the presence to be able to do it. But I wonder if you want to live a life that's worthy. And that's where this all begins. Now, how does this play out for us as a church? This is just like intro to what we'll talk about next week when we're together. But I think there's a few ways. It starts with our, our vision. You know, if you've been here for a while, you know, what are we about? What's our, like our, our big picture vision is we want to help people experience life in Jesus. Everything we think about doing gets run through that filter. It's why we believe God started us and planted us as a church. We want to help people. The whole thing isn't about like programs and institutions and projects. It's about people. But we want to help them, not just generically. We want to help them experience life. The gospel is a call to a new life and a new way of living. And, and we believe that God's enabled us to share that message and experience new life in Jesus. And Jesus is the center of the story. Now, we say that a lot, but the question is, how? 
All right, we'll go through the details from Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 over the next few months. But we have a, a mission statement that our leaders have put together that we really haven't talked about. And I think this is a bit of a template because this is a family meeting here. You and your house meet here by video. I just want to lay out a little bit of what we mean and the how we're going to help people experience life in Jesus. So I'm just going to read the statement and we'll think about it and we'll, we'll tease it out in the coming weeks and months. Uh, together, we learn to follow Jesus, love one another, and share the good news. When I think about what our calling is, we want to help people experience life in Jesus. How are we going to do it? That first word is huge. Together. This isn't just like your calling or my calling or the staff's calling or the serves team's calling. This is everyone's calling. Together, we, we want to learn what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, let's just start with that one. What does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm calling you to step in. There are two opportunities right now that you can, even in the month of January, learn to follow Jesus together. Now, for all of us, we've been doing uh, community groups since day one in this church. And uh, hear me, I, if, you're, if you've never been in one, I love you. And this is not a guilt trip. But I'm inviting you again to step in and we have work to reformat how we do the groups to make it easier. The number one thing I hear from people who are newer in the church, and if this is you, you know it, it's hard. It's hard to get, it's hard to find one. It's hard to get connected to one. It, and so we have reformatted, reformatted how we do it to enable you to jump in. So in January, in just a few weeks, you're gonna have signups and we're gonna list out, it's gonna be on our website. We're gonna call you to it, to sign up for seven weeks of community life together. And in those seven weeks, uh, we're inviting you to meet in homes seven weeks in a row and use the message on the weekend and the community group study guide to talk about your faith and how to live out what we're hearing together on Sundays. And so our winter term starts uh, at the beginning of February. You're gonna sign up in January, seven weeks in a row, and then we'll take a little break. And then our spring term will be seven weeks in a row, and we'll be talking about uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the teaching of Jesus and what he talked about, what it meant to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is gonna be challenging, life-giving. Is it work? Yeah, I'm calling you to step in. If you have been, great, well done. Uh, if you're new or maybe you went and for some reason you just got tired or life got busy, will you please make that decision now to join one of our communities? Is it the only way to grow? No, but it's our primary way to grow as a church. Listening to messages on the weekend is good, but it's just not enough. And until we talk about our faith, ask questions, learn from one another, and call each other to live accountable to God and help each other, then our growth is gonna be small and can I even say possibly stagnant. Okay, that's one. For our youth, we have a new opportunity. There is gonna be a going deeper youth cohort starting in January. Those who are already in middle school and high school, you've heard about it, but if you're one of those parents and you, you don't know what it is, it's gonna be 12 weeks for our young people to get grounded on 12 essentials of the faith done cohort style. So there's a book and there's going to be one thing to look at every week, uh, some videos to watch and a few verses to read. And then three or four students with a leader are going to get together every week from January in through to April. 
and talk about like 12 essentials that we want every young person to be grounded in. This is so exciting, our first time ever able to do this. And so if you're a parent of a student, middle school and high school, I'm gonna ask you guys to pray and think about how to reorient your life to get your young person. If you're a student, uh, get involved, be a part of one. I know God's gonna grow you. Together, we learn to follow uh, Jesus. All right, uh, the second statement is there. Together, we love one another. Uh, this is not just about learning. I think that one of the things God wants to do as a family is help us to know each other better so that we can love one another. Now, we're all in different stages and places. And I know some of you are watching, and this is really a difficult season for you. Uh, a season of struggle, a season of doubt, maybe pain and hurt. And I want you to know that this church is here to see you by the power of the Holy Spirit because of Jesus to be made whole. And if it's a struggle for you just to get here on the weekend or to get involved in any way, we want to surround you with God's love and we want to get to know you so that Jesus' presence will be felt through his people. Uh, but for in order for us to do this, we need to get to know each other better, right? Relationship takes time. And so if you've been coming for a while and you are being built up in the faith, the call is to learn to love one another together. I pray that this year, church for you isn't a time slot and a day of the week and a Sunday experience or, you know, come as much as you can and watch a video or listen to a podcast if you can't. But rather, I pray that you will lean in. Every single one of us has a few people that God wants to use us to demonstrate his love to other people through. This year, let's learn to walk worthy. Let's learn to live a life that's worthy of the calling that we've received. And friend, because you are full of the Holy Spirit and because Jesus has brought you into the family of God, you can demonstrate the love of God in practical ways. And I pray, oh man, I pray that we as a church will grow. And when people come in, whether they like the music or not, or, or get with the teaching style or not, or like the, the things that we do together, whether it's youth or kids or communities, or not, I pray that they'll just be overwhelmed by the love that you demonstrate when anyone walks in the door. Together, we learn to follow Jesus. Together, we learn to love one another. And of course, together, we share the good news. Uh, so everything God wants to do in us isn't just about us. So front and center, this good news that Jesus came to rescue and save is at the forefront of everything we do. So there are people and there are places that God has set apart for you to be a good news person. So when I say share the good news, I'm not just talking about events. And I'm not just talking about sending me or sending someone else to share the gospel, although we value that and we affirm that and we do that. But this year, we are praying that you will sense God's enablement, God's courage, God's boldness, that in your sphere of influence, whether that's just your kids at home or whether that's just the people in your class or the people you work or live by, that you will sense God enabling you to be a good news communicator in your words and in the way you live 
this year. I think Jesus will just be thrilled if we learn to walk worthy because Jesus came, died, and rose again to give life to everyone who repents, turns from their sin, and by faith trusts in his ability to rescue. Because all of that is true and we've experienced it, now's the time for us to lean in and allow God to use us. Well, um, I'm gonna just stop it for there because we wanna pick up on this. There are some cool things God's already doing. So on first Sunday, reminder, uh, January the 5th, one gathering, 10 a.m., uh, we're gonna begin to lay out, because we've been thinking about this as a team and as a church for a while, and we're gonna announce some new team members uh, to our church who are rising up to help us to walk worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And over the month of January, we'll lay out specific things that you and I can step into. But for now, let's, um, let's pray. Let's pray about living generously. In order to do any of this, it's all in by all of us. And so we are at the last gathering point of the year, and we'll see you again in the new year. But uh, even as we're in the last couple of days uh, before the calendar changes, I want to invite you to one, one of the ways that we live a life that's worthy is to live a generous life. Jesus gave everything for us that we would experience new life in him. And so we model that in the way that we live, especially when it comes to resources. Um, December for us is huge. And as a church, uh, we have ongoing needs. We're obviously not meeting this weekend, but the opportunities God's given us to share the good news don't end when we don't meet. And so I don't know where you at, you're at in your giving, but I wanna invite you. There's actually on the email to this video, a link that you can give. If you're not actively and regularly giving, I'm gonna ask that's, that's one of the ways that we learn to live a life that's worthy, to walk worthy, because God's been generous. We wanna be a generous people. Uh, as a reminder, you don't give to your church. You actually give through your church because we're the church, the people, not the organization. And so as you and I grow in generosity, we realize that we're not giving to a person or a place, but this is the way we can give through to help those who are in need. And so do your best even now and in the coming year, one of the areas God wants to grow us is in radical generosity. So that not only here locally in Hillsborough, Beaverton, the Portland metro area, we wanna be a people that lovingly, caringly share the good news in word and in deed, and it happens when we pool God's resources together and do it. There are some of you who are hyper generous to the church. Thank you. Thank you for modeling what it, what it means to live a generous life. But for the rest of us, let's lean in and do our part. All right, I'm gonna pray, and then I hope you enjoy the rest of your couch time or sleeping in time, and I look forward to seeing you again when we're together on January the 5th. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, for your calling, for the giving of life in Jesus, for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, for the hope of the resurrection to come, for your promise to be with us now, always, to the end of the age. God, you've been so good. Lord, in, in light of all that you've done, we as a church, your people, wanna live worthy. 
We want to live into the calling that we've received. And God, I thank you that you call us son and daughter. And you see us as we already are in the future. You already know what we're becoming. But we don't want to resist you, Lord. In this coming year, help us, Holy Spirit, to grow. Not just in the depth of our faith, not just in our knowledge of you, not just in our knowledge of the Bible, but in the way that we live it out, in the way that we love one another, in the way that we serve one another, and the way that we love the world that you've put us in. Holy Spirit of God, we pray you'll do something beautiful in this coming year and decade. And as we look back, that we'll look to you and say, thank you, Lord, for even working in someone like me. Lord, I pray blessing as uh, my family here turns the year and the parties and the in the fun times and the family and friend expressions. Lord, I, I pray that we'll sense your presence even in those. And Lord, until we're together again, thank you that you've called us to be knit into this family called the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Know that you're deeply loved and I look forward to seeing you on January the 5th. Until then, God bless.